So back in August, it was my birthday, and uh, uh, I'm not really a huge birthday person. I don't really like celebrating my birthday much. But this year, um, I had a uh, on my birthday, I had a, a business meeting I had to go to in Philadelphia, and so uh, instead of just going up to Philly and then coming back, um, I decided uh, we decided that we would go as a family up to Philly. Uh, I would go in the morning to my business meeting, and then we would come back, and then we would go around the street to Philly. Um, we uh, 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 there was some restaurants that we wanted to try out. Uh, we were able to get a really good hotel on Priceline for dirt cheap. And so uh, we had a great time. And so well, one, one thing, I've been to Philly many times, but most of the time we've driven up there, we've parked, and then we've just walked around like the historical stuff. Um, so I've never had to really think about driving through the streets of Philadelphia. Well, this time, because we had the hotel, we went out that evening, the, the evening that we got there, we went out to, to get something to eat. Um, and uh, Philadelphia... If you think Baltimore is a nightmare to park in, think Philadelphia. It's way more expensive, and then there's no parking on the streets because it's all full. And so we get to this restaurant, and I see a space. It's like, great, I park in there. Then I realize it was like the disabled space that's always open, and you can never park in there. So I come out. And so I drop uh, Raquel and Evan off at the restaurant, and, uh, I, I, and I'm trying to drive around the streets of Philly trying to find a parking space. Problem is, is there was no parking spaces. And then I would see one, and I'm like, okay, I'll go there. And then if you've ever been around Philly, everything is a one-way system. Everything. All the roads are one way. So I saw one parking space. I went there, and I went to turn, and I saw the big old do not enter sign. I'm like, oh, man. So I'm like, let me try to get around there. While trying to get around the different streets, back to that spot, it was a nightmare. Eventually, when I got around, the space had gone. And I kept driving. Driving around, eventually I found a space. The next day, uh, we go again into Philly. We're going to get some to eat, and we're driving around the streets. And I'm having the same issue time and time again. But the problem is, it's not so much that there's not parking. It's that everything is this one-way system. And every time I turn, I see the do not enter sign because I can't go that way. And so I start putting stuff in on the GPS. Well, the GPS is useless when there's tall buildings around. And so it's going whack so on me. And so it's like really frustrating. But what I realized is that sometimes in life we go through these streets and we go through different areas and we come face to face with the do not enter signs. I even had one the other day. I had a meeting in in, in Towson and where I needed to go was like a hundred feet to the right. I came up to the street and it was a do not enter sign. I almost turned right and down there, almost. But then I realized, oh man, if the police catch me, they're going to give me a ticket. My insurance rates are going to go up and I'm going to have to pay a fine. Forget it. And so I didn't. But that's what happens in life sometimes. Many years ago, I was uh, out with my friends uh, in England and we went to eat at a place called, uh, uh, a city called Birmingham, which is England's second biggest city. And I was very familiar with it, so uh, my friend was driving, I told him to go to this parking lot. Well, he, saw, he found a space and he turned into the parking lot and he's parked there, and it was one of those where it was like valet only, and I'm like, you can't park there, and he's like, oh man. So, so he reverses out, well, suddenly he gets lost in the parking lot. How can you get lost in a parking lot? There's like exit signs and everything. Well, he starts going areas I've never been before, and we start seeing all these do not enter signs. He got 
got so frustrated, he didn't know where to go. In the end, he, he, found, a, he found one of those ramps and he went up there. And one of my other friends says, aid, it says do not enter. And he's going at a speed and he turns and he goes right into the middle of like the two ramps. And there's a concrete wall. He rams right into it. And this big donk reverberates through the parking lot. And we laughed and he was all mad because his car was messed up. But it served him right because he was trying to go through a do not enter sign. And do not enter signs are not just for the roadways. They actually happen in life as well. And I'm sure many of you in your life, you've come across the do not enter signs of life. If you've been on this journey of faith for any time at all, you will realize on this journey of faith, there will come moments in your life when you see the, 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 the do not enter signs of faith. And this is how it goes. You make plans. You know where you want to go and you may even believe that God wants you to go that way as well. That God wants you to go in a certain direction. So you pack your little knapsack and you walk and you go in and then suddenly it's like God puts up this do not enter sign. And this sign can hit us at any time in life. This sign can hit us on the job promotion. Maybe there's a promotion on the line. You're like, it's mine. I've got that promotion. And then Sunday, one day you get called into your boss's office and they're saying, sorry, you're not going to get the promotion. Do not enter sign. Maybe it happens at the job interview. You know the career that you want to go into. You know the place that you want to go and work at. And you go for the interview and they call you and they say, sorry, you didn't get the job. Do not enter sign. For some of you, maybe it's buying a house and you're trying to buy a house and you've seen the perfect house that you want and you put a contract on it and that night you go to bed and you start dreaming of all the things you're going to do in the house. Then the next day you find out that someone's beat your contract and put a better offer on the house. The do not enter signs of life. Maybe some of you, you're trying to get financing for a house. And you've tried to finance something and you think you're, you're home and dry and then suddenly this old medical bill or something comes up from your past and your loan officer says, I'm sorry, we can't approve you for what you thought we could approve. The do not enter signs of life. Some of you, maybe it's trying for a baby or others, maybe it's going to school or going back to school or, 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 or trying to, to, to find a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you find the do not enter signs of life happen. And let me tell you, I've had plenty of these in my life. Um, I'm not like this wise old guy at all, but I've been around enough to realize that the do not enter signs happen uh, often in life. And I'll be honest, and I'll shoot straight from the hip from you today. When you hit the do not enter signs of life, the more that you hit, it doesn't mean that the easier it gets. Equally, there is a deflating. The 50th is just as deflated as the first one at all. The only difference is you realize there must be a reason behind hitting that do not enter sign in life. So we've been going through the story of Joshua through this series. And uh, we've discovered that Joshua was a man who took over the leadership of a nation called Israel. And there was about a million people he was in charge of. And he took them from a desert into the promised land of God. And Through this series, we've seen that God has been with the Israelites and they've seen some incredible things. Well, suddenly we've got to the point in their lives when suddenly they receive or see the do not enter signs of their faith. 
And for them, as soon as they came face to face with their do not enter sign, it was soul destroying for them. It was a moment that they questioned God and even doubted whether they should continue on the journey of faith that they had been on. See, the do not enter sign for them was for a reason. And the reason was this, it was to teach them how to do life as they went forward. As God blessed them, uh, as God started to do things in their lives and, and fulfill the promises, they needed to understand how to do life when God was blessing them. Because if they didn't, then the blessings of God would destroy them. And so what we discover, we discover that the Israelites had just had the biggest victory of their lives. And we discussed this last week. It was called Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. And we all sing this crazy song to go with it. And the walls came tumbling down. And last week we discussed about the walls of Jericho and how God gave them this incredible victory over the city of Jericho. They had seen the impossible become possible. Nobody thought it was possible to defeat Jericho, but yet the Israelites with God's hands did it. They had defeated the undefeatable city and they were high on life. They had their faith had increased and now they had this, uh, this abnormal confidence that God was with them. And so the next thing that they do, they go through Jericho then there is a city that is in front of them. Or actually, it's more like a town or a little village. And it's called A-I. It's spelled A-I. Go figure that one, right? Pretty easy. I can even spell that one. A-I. And they come up face to face with this town. And they realize that if they want to fulfill the promises of God, just like Jericho, they need to go through this town and they need to capture the town of A-I. AI stood between them. The only difference between this time and last time is that the town of AI was tiny and they, they had the resources within their camp, within their people to be able to go and defeat the town of AI. Before that, they had gone to Jericho and Jericho was so big uh, and so they needed God and they needed God's power. And so they came out of Jericho with this abnormal confidence in God. The only problem is sometimes we can gain this abnormal confidence and that abnormal confidence can make us take a wrong turn. So we hit the do not enter signs of life. And this is what happened to the Israelites. So they went up against AI. And you know what happened? They got defeated. They got defeated. They just beat, they just defeated Jericho, the biggest city around. They come up against this tiny little village called AI. And AI defeats them. They're deflated. They, didn't, they don't know what to do. They think God isn't with them anymore. Joshua even starts going into this little pity party of like, God, why did you bring us out of the desert into this, in this new land if we were going to be defeated? And so they started going through life and they started understanding that not everything goes well for you. And so they got defeated by AI. They went to battle and they lost the battle. This is the problem for them because it was a humiliation for them. It would be the equivalent of a college football team going up against the number one seed, right? Defeating the number one seed one week and then the next week losing to like a division two team. It doesn't happen. It never happens. 
But yet for the Israelites, it happened. And in this moment, God started to show them what happens when you hit the do not enter signs of life and some of the reasons why you hit the do not enter signs of life. And so this morning, I want to give you four things why sometimes we hit the do not enter signs of life. This isn't a comprehensive list. It's not like these these aren't the only reasons, but these are some of the four major factors why we hit the do not enter signs of life. And the first one is this, the Israelites tried to do it in their own ability. They tried to go in their own ability. They trusted in their own ability. If you want to turn to Joshua chapter 7 and verse 2. Joshua chapter 7 and verse 2. This is what it says. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai. See, I told you it was like Ai. That's how it's spelled. East of Bethel near Beth Haven. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or three thousand men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, don't make all of our people struggle to go up there. So approximately three thousand warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries and and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events and their courage melted away. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua, and this is his little pity party, Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? He's getting embarrassed now. For when the Canaanites and all the people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? So we see here, there is one overwhelming difference between the victory at Jericho And the defeat at Ai. If you remember last week we talked about Jericho. And we said that Joshua. He heard the instruction from God. Joshua got on his knees. Got on his face before God. And he went to God. And he started hearing from God what to do. He heard the instruction from God. God gave him detailed instruction. And then they went out and did what God did. They obeyed God. The difference this time. Joshua never got on his knees. The posture of Joshua was so different. Joshua sent his spies out to say, go spy out the land. There is no word here that Joshua got before God and heard the instruction of God. Now, we can say, Joshua, that was wrong. But the reality of, is it, is how many of us would get on our knees before God? How many of us would think, we don't need God? Remember, they had all the resources in their own camp to defeat AI. So why would they need God? Why do they need to get on their knees before God when they knew themselves, they had the wisdom, the know-how, the power and the weapons to defeat AI? Why would they go before God? And in our lives, we're the same at times. There are things that we know what to do. We know that we can do it ourselves and we don't go to God because we think we've got it. We think, oh, we can take care of this. Why do we need God in our lives? 
But it was a lesson for Joshua and it's a lesson for us all. And that is to seek God in all that we do, no matter how big and how small. See, for Joshua, Joshua learned that day that the word of God is a light unto his path. It is a lamp unto his feet. Look look at this. This is what God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23 and 24. He says this. But those who wish to boast should boast in the... I'm sorry, that was verse 24. Verse 23, it says this. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom. Or the powerful boast in their power. Or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. So God says to Jeremiah, those who are wise, those who are rich, those who have no power, who have to know, uh, know what to do, they should not boast in those things. They should boast only in God. And when we look at Joshua, this is what happened. Joshua started realizing, hey, we got this. We're okay. We don't need God at all. And for the Christ follower, and I hope that you are a Christ follower today. We don't come to God just in the hard moments of life. We don't come to God when we just don't know what to do. We don't come to God when we just need a miracle from God. We come to God in every moment of our lives. He is the one who directs our paths, not us. And the reason is, you may even know the way to go. You may even know, oh, I can handle this. But the reality is, God knows the whole picture. God knows the pitfalls that are along the way. God knows where the do not enter signs are. And if you follow him, he will keep you on that right path. You know, the psalmist said this. It said, some trust in chariots, some in horses. That's before when, you know, before we had tanks and guns and weapons. That's how they went to war. Chariots and horses. Said, some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we will trust in the name of the Lord. Instead of trusting in your own ability or, or, or what's around you, trust in God. And this is the, one of the reasons why they came to the do not enter signs of life. Because God was showing them, you need to trust in me, not trust in yourselves. The second thing. Or the reason I think that they came to the do not enter sign of AI is this. It's because not everything is beneficial. Not everything is beneficial. Joshua chapter 7 verse 1. Said, but, the, but Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had sought, stolen some of these dedicated things. So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Carmi, the descendants of Zimri, son of Zeraph of the tribe of Judah. And then let's go down to verse 10 and 11. Joshua 7, 10. It says, but the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but they have lied about it, hidden the things among their own belongings. So before the battle of Jericho, God said this to Joshua. Tell the people that they are to destroy everything. Except for the silver, the gold, the bronze, and the iron. 
And that is to be taken and that is to be given to the temple of God. Everything else is to be destroyed. So they went through and destroyed everything. But a man called Achan, he saw a robe. Not like a bathrobe, like a nice robe, you know. He saw a robe. He saw 20 coins of silver. And he saw a gold bar. I'm like, who has a gold bar? But he saw it. And he took it for himself. He hid it. And he didn't tell anybody about it. And so when they came to the city of Ai, they were defeated. Because he had gone against the instruction of God. It wasn't that God didn't want to bless these people. It wasn't that God wanted to withhold from them. It was the fact that they did not need these things. That God wanted to show them how to live when God was going to bless them in the future. What Achan did was against the instruction of God. And what I've discovered in life is not everything is beneficial to our lives. Even if you think nothing is wrong with it. There's some things in your life right now that, yeah, it's not a sin, but it's not beneficial to your life. Look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 tells us this. The Apostle Paul said, You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. And in your life right now, just because you can does not mean that you should. So when I was a kid, I was very uh, inquisitive. I would always ask questions, hard theological questions. And I would normally aim them at my dad. And my dad, I don't know, I mean, he just like had no problem answering them. So the question I always had when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I was like, Dad, why is it wrong to gamble? We grew up and we were told it was wrong to do everything. And, uh, and one of those things was gamble. And I was like, Dad, why is it wrong to gamble? And then he would, like, you know, kind of avoid the subject. I would ask other people. They would give me some Bible verse, and it was really lousy. It didn't back up the argument very much at all. And so I'd come to my dad time and time again. I said, Dad, why is it wrong to gamble? He goes, because it is, you know. Then one day, I said, Dad, give me a good reason. Why is it wrong to gamble? And this is what he said to me. He said, said, son, he goes, you're not going to go to hell for gambling. He said, but why is God going to bless you in the future when you're foolish with what God has given you right now? He says, why is God going to give you more when you're not being wise with what God has given you right now? I'm like, man, that's a good point. You know, and so I don't like gambling, you know, it's, I think it's foolish, you know, and you're not going to go to hell if you, you know, go down to the Horseshoe Casino and, you know, gamble. But don't be surprised if God doesn't bless you because you're using his resources that he's given you foolishly. That's just the fact it is. It's not a biblical thing. It's just the fact gambling is foolish. I asked some of the questions, similar questions to my youth leaders when I was growing up. I was in youth group, you know. And one of the questions I always asked my youth leaders, or a group of us did, we were like teenage boys, and, and there's one thing that teenage boys think about. You kind of know. Sports, yes, that's it. <laughs> so we'd all, I always ask our youth leaders, okay, how far can we go with a girl? That's what we would always ask them. I'm sorry if it's a little early in the morning for this. 
But we would always ask him, how far can we go with a girl? Like, what base can we go to? One, two, three, four. And, uh, you know, we did. And this is what my youth leader would always say. They would always say, Alex, she goes, as long as you're not, you know, doing the act, because that's a sin before marriage. But anything else, it's what you feel comfortable with. That's what, that's what, that, that's what they said, right? And theoretically, theoretically, it may be the right answer. To a teenage boy, it's the wrong answer. It is the wrong answer. This should have been the answer. Alex, you shouldn't have been playing in the game altogether. Don't even go up to the plate. It's like, you should be thinking about God, not about girls. Right? Because not everything is beneficial. The Bible says all things are permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And for the Israelites, yeah, you know what? God could have let them just have the gold and the robes and the silver, but it wasn't beneficial to their lives. And so they came up to the do not enter signs of life because God was teaching them not everything is beneficial. Sometimes I remember myself in my immaturity, I would think of short-term pleasure instead of God's incredible long-term plan. And in your life, uh, as you go to work Monday morning or whatever you do this week, there will be opportunities to do things that may not be a sin, but they not be beneficial to your life. And just because it's not a sin doesn't mean that you should do it either. Just because we are under the grace of God and we don't have a list of do's and don'ts, it doesn't mean that everything is beneficial. So I think they came to the do not enter signs of life because they trusted in their own ability. Not everything was beneficial. Number three, their motives were not right. Their motives were not right. And our time's going this morning, so yeah, I can read some of the verses for you. But basically, this is what happened. Is the Israelites, they went in and they thought everything was good, but they went for the wrong motives. This is what they went to the, to, to, against the city of AI for this one reason, because they could. Because they felt they could defeat them. They, they didn't thought, think about purifying themselves. They didn't think about coming to God and asking God why they should do this. Their motives were not, were not right. For hidden within their camp, there was people with the wrong motives. And it was King David who said this. He said, creating me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. That was his prayer. Because he knew that the heart of man has the wrong motives most of the time. And our motives can quite easily turn our hearts to make everything about me. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 24. He says this. He he says this. Don't be concerned for your own goods, but for the good of others. So you may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He said this, if someone who isn't a believer asks you home for dinner, accept the invitation if you want to. Eat whatever is offered to you without raising questions of conscience. But suppose someone tells you this meat was offered to an idol. Don't eat it out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it may be for the other person. For what? For why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? And then he says this. 
in verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I ask you today, and you're in this place today, the things that you do in life, what are your motives behind? Are they for God's glory or your glory? Are they for the things of God or the things that you want to do? As you've come into this place today, into this church service, what are your motives behind coming in this church service? This isn't a condemning thing. This is just something to think about yourselves. Some people, they go into church because they feel less guilty because they go to church. But yet the real reason we should come in, our motive should come so that collectively as a community, we can come and worship God together and support and encourage one another. That's the right motives. As you serve, maybe some of you are serving in kids or in hospitality or on the band this week. What are your motives behind serving? Is it because maybe I feel less guilty or I feel great about myself because I serve? Or is it because you know that the the family of God comes together and we serve one another to give glory to God? As you give of your tithes and your offerings this week, what are your motives behind that? Is it just giving your dues to God? Is it that you give to get back? Or is it you give because you know that everything that is yours is God's? And you are giving back out of obedience to God. What are your motives? The motives of the Israelites were wrong. They were so wrong. And what happened is they saw the do not enter signs of life. So they trusted in their own ability that not everything was beneficial. Their motives were wrong. And then finally today, and we'll close with this. They had unrepentant sin. They had unrepentant sin. This is what happened. I'll paraphrase it very quickly for you. Achan got caught out. He had this sin. He had stolen these things. He had hidden them. He, he, he had not confessed the sin. He was unrepentant of the sin. And God says, within your camp, there is this sin. And God said to Joshua, clean it out. So what happened, and I'm so glad that we don't live in the Old Testament days anymore because they basically narrowed uh, down to a tribe, the tribe of Judah. Then, they got, uh, then God told them, get Achan's family, all of them. They're all in a line. They're like, it's not me, it's not me, it's not me. And then they look at Achan and they're like, it's you. And Achan comes and was like, yeah, I stole them. I'm sorry. And you know what God did? God had them like kill him. Because of sin. I'm so glad that we have Jesus and Jesus has forgiven us of our sins. You know, otherwise we'll be all killing each other this morning because of our sins. I'm so glad for that. But what happened? The reason they came up these do not enter signs is because they had this unrepentant sin. This is what unrepentant sin is. It's not that we're to be perfect because all of us are sinners. God says that we're all sinners in the sight of God. All of us have sin in our lives. But this is what happens with unrepentant sin. It's like going into the middle of a river and building a dam. And then the river of God's grace cannot flow when there is unrepentant sin. If you've got sin in your life that you have not confessed and you're not repentant of, God's grace cannot flow to that. God's grace can only flow to repentant Sin. Look at this. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, it tells us this. If anyone claims, sorry, I got the wrong. Yeah, 1 John 1 verse 9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, meaning Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. 
That's what the Bible says. If we confess our sins to God, God will forgive us. God's grace flows to those sins. But if there is no forgiveness, if there's no confession, if there's no repentance, God's grace will not flow to your life. The Israelites, they had to clean the camp of sin. And this is how they did it. They came and confessed to God. They repented to God. And the way they did it in the Old Testament days, they would go to a priest, they would confess to the priest, and the priest would go before God as the representative before God, and then they would bring those requests or that repentance to God. And today, we don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to go to a Catholic priest or an Episcopal priest or a Buddhist priest or whoever. Do you know what we do? We go to Jesus. Because the Bible says that Jesus has become our high priest. Meaning that we come to God. If you have unrepentant sin, come to God and confess your sins to God. And he is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins. This is what happens when you confess and you become repentant of your sins. It's like a redneck going into the middle of the river and blowing up the beaver dam. That's what it's like. You just blow it up so the river of God can flow once again into your life. So don't let the do not enter signs of this life restrict you from what God wants. So the end of the story is this. The people of Israel. They repented. They cleaned the camp. They went with the right motives. They suddenly went with the instruction of God. And they went and defeated Ai. Then after that, you start seeing that God starts blessing them more and more and more to the point where they see that they possess the whole land that God has promised. They are the first generation to see the fulfillment of God's promises in their lives. But it started by them stepping out in faith and trusting God. It started with them listening to the instruction of God and following God. It started with them checking their hearts, making sure their motives were right, and then doing it all for God. And look what God did. And in your journey of life, in your journey of faith, I believe God's got incredible plans for you. Wonderful, incredible plans that you probably could not even imagine right now. And maybe you're seeing the do not enter signs of life Because you're not ready to move forward. Because your hearts are not in the right place. Maybe God has some lessons to show you. And the quicker we learn those lessons, and the quicker we come on our knees before God and say, God, all that I am is yours, the quicker we start seeing the promises of God fulfilled in our lives. So today, will you follow God? In all that you do, will you follow God? The Israelites learned to put their lives in the hands of God. And not just their lives, the the hands or the lives of their children in the hands of God. What do you put your life and the lives of your children? And the lives of your career and your finances and your job and your home and your ambitions in the palms of God's hands. He will do so much better with it than whatever you will do. Let's bow our heads in prayer.